0: this is the endurance church podcast with pastor anthony bass at endurance church our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of christ we do this through loving disciplined bible-based teaching encouragement and care for more information about our ministry head to endurancechurch.org and now today's message once again everybody uh i still hear livid i'm going to talk until i get that ring out um Everybody here, I um, want to thank you for coming today. We're still in the midst of our sermon series, and uh, it's a challenging time to come to church on Sunday in Minnesota during the beautiful spring and summer times. Here in Minnesota, I didn't know the tradition that people stop going to church during the summer times because of the beautiful weather. Now, not until here, I think this year, I start to realize why. Because why? The the winters are so hard and long that when summertime comes, you want to stay outside and soak in the great weather so I want to thank you for sacrificing coming out this morning and being able to be in here with us in God's presence are you good yet guys you still good okay so I'm gonna go if it messes up just give me hand signals everybody okay Um, I believe that uh, God has a particular call in our church and uh, we're a church one of our values is fun and as you saw the video announcements there we are trying to have fun and uh, having fun is an uh, easy thing to do sometimes, but oftentimes you can take it too far. Um, but ultimately, we believe fun is a value that helps bring people closer together. Uh, when you see someone is, is willing to embarrass themselves, uh, you can get a little bit closer to them. You trust them a little bit more. So hopefully you understand that the person to your left or to your right is not out of their minds. Uh, they're really just fun people here trying to give God glory uh, through their joy that God has given to them. Um, last night, uh, me and a group of three, four other guys went to, uh, see Batman versus Superman. Who in here has seen the movie yet? Are you serious? <laughs> well, we're in the series Batman versus Superman, and I have to give some spoilers away. Who in here is going to be mad if I give some spoilers away? Well, Patrick, you have to please go outside because I give you, I've you three weeks to go watch the movie, Okay. Um, <laughs> but you have to understand Batman versus Superman They're types they're, they're foreshad- They foreshadow Characteristics or dispositions of God For those who don't know Superman represents who? We've been talking about it at church Superman represents Jesus Superman represents Jesus Is the door shut? And Batman represents who? The law The law of Moses and we understand that the law is something that reveals the condition of our heart. Batman, who faced a severe challenge, his parents died, and he lives his life by a set of rules, a set of guidelines, and he does not transgress those rules or guidelines. Now, the problem is in the movie, you saw Batman. I told. I I, okay. In the movie, I tried to tell him go away, you saw Batman having guns and blowing people away. But that's not the real Batman originally created. Batman did not have guns. He had a law. Batman does not use guns. That's it. Superman, the reason why the movie Man of Steel was so controversial, because Superman never kills anybody. But in the movie Man of Steel, what did he do? He killed General Zod. Now, these are different spins on characters that have been pillars of the Western faith. We live in a culture that has been espousing Judeo-Christian values since the beginning, since its inception. Now, regardless of what you think those values are, good or not, those are the values of our culture. And they were once. And now we see there's new values being constituted and inputted and implemented within our culture. So there's a cultural war, who has heard that term before, that's going on in our society. Do we hold to, do we subscribe to, do we believe in the values of the old Judeo-Christian classical values, or do we hold to these new values? Now the problem is, these values have been passed on through academics. So if you're in school right now, a master's degree, or if you're getting your college degree, even if you're in high school, These new values have been perpetuated through the school system. There's a big war regarding what should be taught in public schools, what should be allowed in, all these things, these little arguments are an argument about a bigger picture. And what's the bigger picture? What is your worldview? How do you see this world? Do you believe that there's a living God that exists and that he's moral and that he holds us to a moral standard? Or do you believe this world was created by chance? That this is all an accident? Think about it. If this world was created by chance, then there are no moral values. You can literally do whatever you feel like doing. And that's the war we're now in. Is there a God who has been perpetuating values in our hearts and minds? He's given us a conscious in a sense that verifies that he exists, or are these just made-up myths? The Bible just one book of many books that try to get you to live morally, but it's not objectively true. It's not really real. It's just a matter of an opinion. And now as Christianity begins to recede in our culture, it seems like the people who believe in the Judeo-Christian values are becoming smaller and smaller. And now we're put on the side. Now it's not cool to be a Christian. Now it's not cool to stand for Jesus. Now it's not acceptable to hold to the words of the Scripture literally. Now in order for us to be part of society, we have to compromise what the Scriptures say so that society will accept us. The challenge for you is, where do you stand? This today, I think, will be one of the more challenging texts we try to discuss, because the world today thinks that people aren't that bad. I think people are generally good. I don't know if you know it or not, but there was a man named Martin Luther King Jr., and when he was coming up, he thought people were generally good people. He didn't believe necessarily in a literal salvation experience that people's hearts are changed. When he was coming up, he didn't believe in the reality of the virgin birth. He didn't believe in that. It wasn't until much later in his life that he he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that he accepted that as true. Now, what's the problem with that? If you think that people are generally good, then you have to come up with a reason why people act so bad so often. And the answer is called behaviorism. Which means if you just make the environment good enough, you put light colors on the wall and turn the lights on really bright and put flowers on the wall and nice music and give people money, then they'll do good because they come from a good environment. That's not biblical because what does the Bible say about humanity? The Bible says all have sinned. The Bible says every human being is born a sinner. The Bible says every human being needs to be saved. The Bible says everyone needs to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or there will be eternal consequences. Now the problem I have as I talk to people about Christianity and God is that I don't know if people really believe what the scriptures say about humanity. Do you believe that you're depraved? Do you believe that you're a bad guy? Do you believe that you're not right with God? Or do you think you're not that bad? When you try to talk to people about God, you have to have an understanding of where you are in contrast to where God is. Do you ever consider, man, every human being born is in God's eyes, evil. No one really thinks that. We've been talking about my son Titus for the last couple of weeks and his addiction to what? Candy. How he has candy stashes hidden throughout the house. Someone gave him, and I'm going to keep talking about this to our father who did it, a bunch of eggs full of candy. And he has tactfully and strategically, like Tom Clancy, hid them throughout the house. And I'm having a hard time finding where he hid them. I'm like, I don't think, I didn't think he thought on this level. But not only is he eating them, but he's going into a back corner and coming to me after he's already eaten it with blue lips. So he knows to go into the corner. He knows to hide them. He knows to eat them outside of my presence. He hasn't learned to wipe his lips yet. And once he's there, he's, He's above me. I won't be able to ever catch him. <laughs> His game is too tight. We have to teach our children to do right. Whether you, whatever your belief is on discipline, this sermon is not about spanking or disciplining kids, but whatever your belief is on discipline, understand discipline in whatever form or fashion is needed for children because people have to understand the issues that reside in humanity's heart. There are people who believe God should just give me good all the time. Regardless of what I do, regardless of what I say, regardless of how I act, God should do good to me. Because isn't he all love? Isn't God just a big ball of love? Isn't he just love and full of love and nothing but love? But he's also holy. And no sin can be in his presence. And that's the problem Israel had. Abraham was given a promise that would change the entire planet. And the promise was, through your seed, the entire planet would be blessed. But they didn't understand there was a condition in there regarding the faithfulness of the people. (laughs) Humanity didn't understand there was something wrong with us. So God gave the Jews the law. And when the law came, issues started popping up. We talked about it earlier in the month. What? When you tell somebody don't do something, something inside of them automatically starts percolating, percolating. I don't even know how to sing the song. Can anyone sing the percolator song for me? No. No? (laughs) Somebody might be brave. It ain't me. Sin starts percolating up. You telling me I can't touch that? You telling me I can't touch that? My grandma told me don't touch the aisle on the stove because it's hot. Is it really, Grandma? I mean, is it really? I mean, you're telling me I can't touch that eye? Me? Grandma told me don't put the knife in the toaster because it might shock you. Me? You think I could be hurt? Oh, woman, you are so silly. <laughs> so I had to see all these things for myself. Yes, the eye is hot, and yes, electricity does hurt. But when she told me not to do it, something in me rose up and challenged that authority. And what at that time I didn't realize, that was God's way of showing me that I'm off, that I needed to be right with him, that something was wrong with with me, and I needed to cry out for help. And that's what the law does. The law shows us who we are. So we've been going through a, a couple of, sermon topics this month and week one we covered honor oh my goodness that should have been corrected honor your covenant to christ that was week one it's not you it should be your i'm from west virginia but that's not west virginia slang right there uh week two was understand the law of moses is designed to reveal our need for jesus and lastly week three this is today the law is designed to show us who we really are and we'll get into the last one next week. Trust that Jesus can set you free. Let me pray and we'll get started. Father God, I ask you, Lord God, to move through us. Lord God, as we watch this video, Lord God, I ask you, as we hear your word, that you challenge us and change us to give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, okay, I, I am a nerd, so just understand that. So that, to me, was really engaging. However, <laughs> uh, you have to understand that We have a war going on inside of us. We've been going to Romans chapter 7 for the last two weeks. Now this will be the third week. And the problem is people always go to this particular scripture right here that we're going to jump into today, and they use it to justify their struggle with sin. Now if you go back to your Bible and open to Romans chapter 7 verse 1, understand Paul is talking to Jews and Jews alone. He's not talking to Gentiles. He starts it off in Romans chapter 7. He says, those who are under the law, who know the law. So in chapter 7, he specifies who he's communicating to. Jews, those who understand the law, the implications of the law, how to try to live with the law being there and never really measuring up to the standard of the law. See, for me, I thought there was a time in my life that I wasn't a bad guy. I thought I was a good guy. But then I realized in time, I really wasn't good. Opportunity came after opportunity for me to do the right thing. And I kept on messing up. (laughs) And not only did I not just transgress or do things that were wrong, but I thought stuff that was wrong. My heart wasn't right about certain things. I didn't trust God's word all the time. I had attitudes. I had issues If I list all the sins I've committed, we will be here a long time. And you would never come back to this church. And I'm being serious. If I would put on TV all the thoughts that were in my brain throughout these 41 years of my life, you would say, oh, what is wrong with you? You aren't a good guy at all. And I'm saying, I know. That's the point. God tries to tell us all, none of us are good. And we have a brief time in life to come to that realization. And when we realize we're not good, we fall to our knees and say, Jesus, help me. And he comes in our hearts and changes us. And we realize we're not good because of our behavior. We're good because he's good. He gives us a new spirit. He gives us a new heart. He puts his Holy Spirit in us. He empowers us. He clothes us with his spirit. He empowers us through his grace to do things we could never ever do on our own. But we need God's help to do all those things. I think a lot of churches stop so short. They talk about God's grace. God's grace is available, what? To make me a new creature, and they stop right there. But God's grace is also available for you today in order to help you overcome sin. But do you trust God to help you overcome the greater issues that you have in your life? At one time, did you think you were good? Have you ever thought to yourself, looking in the mirror, man, I'm so good. Not that you look good, but that you are good. Or, or let me say this. Have you ever saw somebody else? They did something wrong. They weren't from the same area you were. And you look down on them. And you're like, ooh, at least I'm not that bad. I'm not Hannibal-ish, Lecter-ish. I'm not on that level. I'm not really that bad. I'm not like those people. But once we get to the reality of the fact we are not to compare ourselves with other people, God asks us to compare ourselves with Jesus. And in comparison to him, harmatia means we miss the mark. All of us fall short of being like him. God has a standard. But he lets us know there's a difference, and that's the point of the law. Let's go down to verse 13. It says, then, has then what is good, referring to the law, has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good. Look at this. This is interesting. He's talking about the law. He said, wait a minute. Has the law become death? He's like, no, no, certainly not. He said, but sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. He's like, there's already death in me. I didn't even know there was something wrong with me until the commandment came. But once the commandment came, which is good because the commandment is from God, I realized there's something wrong with me because I can't do what God asked me to do. And there's the revelation that something is off in my heart. And I need God's help so that I can do the good stuff. But without the law, I would have never known I was a bad person. 14 says, for we know the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. So he's talking before he came to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He's a man ruled by his flesh. And this is who talking? Paul. The Hebrew of Hebrews, one of the greatest minds intellectually to ever live, one of the most holiest man who had ever lived. He was probably what people in the Israeli culture at that time thought should have been the Messiah. He was smart. He was bold. He was zealous. He's from a great lineage. Man, this is the Messiah. And he's like, man, I am wholly sinful. I'm sold under sin. I can't possibly do right. And the law is showing that. This is the part everybody runs to as Christians. They run to the scripture and say, you know what? Oh, yeah, I struggle with my sin. and It's okay because, you know what? Paul struggled with this sin. But remember, he's talking to Jews at this time. Let's look at verse 15. He's like, for what I am doing, I don't understand. He said, for what I will to do. He said, now, meaning for what I want to do, that I don't practice. He's like, man, I see the good stuff out there. I see the people helping people. I see the right way to respond to scenarios. I want to do that. He said, but I don't even do that habitually. I want to stop watching that TV show. I want to stop eating that last biscuit. I want to stop getting angry at my wife or get upset with my kids. I want to stop doing all those things. He said, but I can't. It says this, that I don't don't practice, but in contrast to that, what I hate, I'm doing. He's like, this stuff I don't want to do, man, I want to love God's word, but I don't. I want to pray more, but I can't. I want to stop doing this. I want to stop doing that. I want to be like Jesus and love Jesus. But you know what? I'm doing the opposite, and I'm doing it consistently. 16, if then I do what I will not to do, he's saying if I want to do something but I can't do it, he's, I agree the law is good. But now 17, but now it is no longer I who do it but sin that dwells in me. He's like, man, I want to do the right thing. I see that I can't. No matter how hard I try, No matter how much I put forth the effort, I can't do it. I want to do it, but there's something wrong. And he says, what? There's something in me that's compelling me to do opposite of what God says to do. This is the evidence. This is the microscope. This is, I don't know, the view. This is where God's trying to tell us, look, humanity. The Jews saw God. Anybody heard of Ken Ham? Anybody? He's making the life-size ark in Cincinnati, Ohio. It'll be done in July. Like, the, he took the actual dimensions in the Bible of the ark, and he's making the ark. Like, literally, I'm not even joking. Like, he's doing now. I'm not saying the flood's coming. I'm just trying to say he's making an ark. But he's using the dimensions down to the last detail of the scriptures to give us hope that the texts are true because they are true. This right here is like a monument. God's trying to tell us all we are off and he can get us right. There's so many people have hopes and dreams of a, a healthy family, healthy kids, healthy grandkids, a wonderful life, a beautiful life of a career, of being able to pass on legacy and inheritance. And all these hopes are found in Jesus. But the problem is humanity wants to do it its own way. We say, I know better than God. And we don't trust God's word. So we do it our own way. And then we find ourselves out here doing it our own way. And then things fall apart and then we have sometimes the gall the nerve the audacity to look at god and say how could you let this happen but god's trying to show us it's his will now our real life is hid in god who we really are will not even be revealed until heaven we're sacrificing everything for god now so that he is revealed through us So in the end, he gives us our life that we never, ever lose. But the challenge is sin hinders us from even desiring to do what God asks us. Let me go on. Verse 18, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, meaning I want to do something right, but how to perform what is good I don't even find. He says, For the good that I will to do or the good I want to do, I don't even do it. But the evil I don't even want to do, I practice. He's like, I'm a master at the evil. It just comes out naturally, the evil. He's like, I'm practicing this stuff, and I know it's not right. I have a natural inclination to do wrong, and I can't even stop it. What am I going to do? He says, 20, now if I do what I will not to do or what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. There's a war that goes on inside of us. Even now, there's a war going on intellectually with the words I've spoken. That's how life is. And you have a war daily. Is God good? Is God really good? Is he trustworthy? Is he really trustworthy? Are you serving God? Or do you think he's obligated to serve you? I believe God has so much in store for those who love him. The Bible says no eye has seen, no ear has heard. We can't even imagine. I saw the movie Avatar. Did anybody see the movie Avatar? Okay, well, at least you saw that movie. And people were leaving Avatar, and they were depressed. They said, man. (laughs) I've seen something that is so much better than my life. And I know I can never achieve life like that. I want to be Navi. I want to connect my hair to the trees and talk to the trees. I want to connect my tail to the horse and ride. I want to be one with the nature. And I look at myself, and I'm like, oh. They saw the beautiful rainbows and waterfalls. They saw the rocks that were hovered in midair, and they're like, wow. This is something a human imagined. And God is saying, that is nothing compared to what he has in store for those who love him. I may not be able to be Batman in this lifetime. That may be a reality I face. You need to talk to me and encourage me because I may not realize my dream in this life. Because in order to be Batman first, you have to be a billionaire, bless you. (laughs) And I'm far away, bless you, from being a billionaire. Now I could be Superman. He was broke. (laughs) But I can't be Batman. You have dreams and aspirations. God knows that. He's put those dreams there. If you spent time with God, you know He gives you promises. He says he has good plan for you. He has hope and a future. There are these blessings he's promised to give you, but there's something you have to see about yourself before you can appropriate those blessings. You have to see, hey, we're all flawed beyond our wildest imagination, and we need God's grace. We need God's help in order to become the person God wants us to be so we can handle what God wants to give to us. He's promised us to be a kingdom of priestly kings. Ladies, you may not like that. He didn't say queens. Let me me fix it. But also, ladies, he says we're the bride of Christ. And I have a problem with that. Like, am I a bride? (laughs) But he has all these great promises out there for us but there's something we need to work out in our hearts before we can get those promises. That's why here at Endurance Church, we tell you open up your Bible. You don't read your Bible, get your uh, Bible, you version. Listen to the Bible, pray. Spend time trusting God through prayer. I try to tell people prayer, why is it so hard? Because when you're praying, you gotta believe first God exists. You have to believe God hears your prayers you got to believe God can respond to your prayers. You have to believe God will respond in the way you want. Now, if you doubt any of those four things, you're not going to waste your time because you don't think he's going to do anything, so why pray? Prayer is one of the most humbling things any human being can do because you're trusting to God. You don't even see to come and intercede and move on your behalf. Prayer changes you. So what do you need to know? The law magnified the difference between humanity's character and God's character. And that's it. The law says this. Hey, you want these promises, but there's an obstacle in the way. For those of you who are Minnesota Viking fans in here, once again, 1998, you know it. I was on the field. The Super Bowl was There. My family bought tickets. We're going to Miami. They're singing songs about going to Miami. I'm thinking, man, I played college in Florida. I'm thinking, I'm the man. My rookie year. I'm going back to the state. I played college football. Everybody's going, just love me. I'm going to make so much money off endorsements. All my life is set forever. <laughs> but there was an obstacle in the way. That obstacle was the dirty bird. It was the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, we overlooked the Falcons. We were looking toward the Broncos. And because we overlooked the obstacle, it was a stumbling block to us. The law was a stumbling block to the Jews. They kept thinking, man, God, you're supposed to be blessing us out of our minds, giving us all these great things. We want to be on top of the world. Remember when Jesus came and the, the question the disciples constantly asked us, when, God, when am I going to get my money? When am I going to get my position? When am I going to get my status? When are my dreams and hopes going to be realized?" And God's so Jesus was like, well, not yet. They're like What? Not yet? You're here, the Messiah, what's going on? And then he dies. And you're like, this ain't going to happen. But then he was resurrected. But he still said, wait. God's promises are there. God just says, wait. Let him do the work in you that he needs to do. A painful work. A work where you make yourself vulnerable to God. And you stay vulnerable to God, despite trials, temptations. Why do you need to know this? So you'll understand the purpose of the law, which is to show how far separated humanity is from the character and nature of God. I love to think about this. It's in the back of my mind, right about here. What's back there? Anybody? This, what's that part back there? Nobody? <laughs> There's a part back there in my brain, a memory part. And there's this thought that it resides back there. God is making us into kingly priests. God is preparing us for eternity. God says if you're faithful over a little bit, he'll make you ruler over much. My earnest belief is this. I'm going to say this so you understand and I'm gonna go back and fix it. Please don't know when record this or say it well, it's. work. Well, I will fix it later. I believe we're all being prepared to be Superman. Now I'll fix that. But at least you understand what I'm saying. We're being prepared to rule. But we have to be faithful in this life over the little bit we get. God is equipping us and preparing us, just like David was prepared with King Saul. The trials, the tribulations, the struggles form David's character to be a great king. But what happened? He still tripped. He still fell. God is preparing your heart to be a ruler but not just any ruler, to rule like him. Loving ruler, a kind ruler, a peaceful ruler, a gentle ruler, one with patience, a ruler with long-suffering. Because if you're a king and have an issue in your heart, you'll be a tyrant. And just like David, you'll try to gain power instead of give God glory. God is repairing you, but the law shows you how far you have to go. Now, for us as believers, we don't look at the law, we look at Jesus. And I look at where Jesus is compared to where I am now. I'm like, oh, I have so much further to go. And we do. And all our lives, we're going to hopefully work and grind and pray and stay and fast so we last to give God glory. And through the process of sanctification, we become more like him. But it takes time so what do you need to do you need to understand the laws designed to show us who we really are that's it as i said the last two weeks now the third week there's a big movement in the church to go back to the law of moses why because we forgot god's grace we misunderstood we thought grace meant you know what god has forgiven me and that means i could do whatever i want but then calamity after calamity happens i like, this can't be right. So we go back to the law because we think by going back to the law, we can control, manipulate God, and we can earn our way into heaven. But we never can. The law shows us no matter how hard we try, we'll not measure up. But all our goodness that we have, every bit of goodness I have in me comes from God and God alone. And why do you need to do this? So you understand so that you will utilize the law for its intended purpose. God wants you to use the law for its intended purpose. And what's that? To get us on our knees and ask God for help. And daily, we're asking God for help. Daily, we're hurting people and being hurt. Daily, we're sinning in our hearts and being sinned against. And daily, we're going to God, ask us to help us, to forgive us. And God, in this process, is changing us to become more like his son. These standards God set there for us to show us that we are not right unless God makes us right. It takes away pride, makes a place for humility. So how can I help you remember this? Use the law like a mirror to reveal the condition of your soul and to turn to God for help with sin. Use it like a mirror. Look at who you are in God's sight. And when you see it, say, God, help me. Change me. Fix me. Make me new. Create in me a clean heart. Renew right spirit within me. Uphold me with our free spirit. That's what you pray. God, make me new again. It's not that you're reborn again. It's that you're right with God again is that your fellowship is strengthened with God one more time. And lastly, I want you to remember, without the law, you would think you're not that bad. Now, I'm going to contrast and contradict everything I just said. Because as a pastor, you have to be balanced. (laughs) Yes, you're evil. It's okay. God loves you. He died for you. The Bible says when we were his enemies, God died for us. What's the point of that? Because in the end, it's not about how good we are. When you get to heaven... You get to heaven. When you're in heaven, Nate, when, you, when you're in heaven, when you're there sitting there with Jesus being rewarded, you're not going to say to yourself, man, I destroyed life. I was the bomb. I crossed every T. I dotted every I. I made everybody feel so good. I gave every time God asked me to give. I loved everybody the way God wanted me to love. I made every single sacrifice God asked for me. I spent all this time with God, and I loved him. I did everything right. And now, God, give me the rewards I deserve. That's not what's going to (laughs) happen. What's going to happen is this. I can't believe it. I can't believe you're this good. Every mistake I made. Every thought I had. Every action I did, Lord God. I kept messing up, God. I was doubting you. I was afraid, God. I didn't trust you. I didn't have your best interest in my Lord. There were months I didn't even think about you. I didn't even pray sometimes, God. And yet I'm still here. (laughs) Just because I believed in you. Just because I trusted in you. And then you're going to see these rewards. And you're going to be like, oh, I get all this. And I never have to let it go. Like this is mine forever and ever and Ever and don't you know that's to his glory Our rewards in heaven will be disproportionately Greater than any sacrifice we could ever make for God When we're in heaven, it won't be all You were so awesome. So faithful. So holy It'll be like, gosh, look how awesome God is. You got that V12? Mercedes. (laughs) I'm joking. God gave you all that? Wait, and you did all this stuff wrong. He was like, no, he forgot all that. He chose to forget everything I did bad. And he only looked at the good. And now he doesn't see me, but he sees Christ in me and he's rewarding Christ in me and he's given me the gifts he gave Christ all our hope is in Jesus I don't know where you are today you may be knocking it out the park in God you may be batting a thousand or you may be like me and the twins you may be like one What a 110. (laughs) You may be batting .79. But if you're on God's side, rejoice. Rejoice. Like, there's a reason to be happy. Rejoice. Like, we won. What? Bass, I'm still here. It ain't over. The victory's in Jesus. This thing is wrapped up. My only responsibility is to keep Jesus on the throne of my heart all the days of my life. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? If you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you want to be assured today that your name is written, the Bible says, in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you're here today, you don't know if that name is written. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just raise your hand really quickly and put it down and we'll pray for you. Is there anyone here today that wants to commit their heart and soul to Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. If you're here today and you walked away from the Lord, you haven't heard his voice for a while. You haven't been spending time with him. You haven't been caring about his emotions and his feelings. If you're here today and God hasn't been the priority and you want to come back to God while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just raise your hand really quickly and we'll pray for you. See that hand. Is there someone else? Well, will everyone re- please repeat after me and say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Restore me. and make me new clean my heart and clean my mind give me the desire to be with you and be committed to you give me a desire to put you first in all my ways and help me give you the glory and honor and praise that you deserve. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, guys, thank you for coming to Endurance Church this morning. This is a time of the service where you know the altar is open. If you want to have a conversation with God, if there's something you're still wrestling with, is there an issue you still have and I didn't address, the altar's available for you to work it out with God. I know there are people here who may say, man, I'm not going in front of anybody. This is not about that. This is about getting right with God. If you're struggling today with an issue and you need prayer, faith, financial, if it's physical, it doesn't matter what it is, Pastor Bishan's to my left and Donna's to my right, they're there to pray with you. If you just need encouragement, go out to the vittles table there to the left and there will be a brother or sister in the Lord who would tell you about what's going on in their life, (laughs) how they're dealing. It's fellowship that encourages you. Spend time with your brother or sister in the Lord before you leave. And I want to say thank you for coming out on this beautiful Sunday to come worship with us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May the Lord Jesus turn his face towards you and give you shalom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go and be blessed. Thank you for coming. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong.